You're listening to a sermon from LifeGate Church of Seguin, Texas. This sermon was preached by Bob Odom, who serves in the pastoral team at LifeGate Church. You can find out more about us at www.lifegateseguin.com. chapter 4. If you brought a Bible, which I hope you did, but if you didn't, you can listen in. Luke chapter 4. We've been on this study for some time through Luke's gospel, and it's really what an exciting thing in a way, just to study the life of Jesus, all that Jesus brings to us, all that he has said, all that he has done, and we get to listen in on that. And in, in our study of Luke's gospel, we've We've already seen those birth narratives in which we, we were meeting people. We were meeting shepherds, and we were meeting angels, and we were meeting Joseph and, and Mary and Zechariah the, and, and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. We met Simeon, the old man who was waiting for the coming of the Lord. We met Anna, who uh, was living in the temple, praying for the, the Messiah to come, We've read through, that. that's the really easy part, but then we read through the genealogies for all of those names and all of those uh, listings, but firmly rooting Jesus in his Jewish heritage. So we've been there. We've seen some of that. We followed Jesus into uh, the wilderness after his, bapt- you know, his baptism. John the Baptist was baptizing a baptism of repentance, and, and Jesus was into the wilderness, and Satan tried to tempt him. Uh, we've seen the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Last week, we started in uh, the beginning of that ministry in Galilee. And uh, we've, we've seen him return to Galilee. He had already been doing some things, like in Capernaum, but he returned into another part of Galilee, and, and he went to his hometown. And we saw last week how he went to the hometown of Nazareth, where he grew up. He went to the synagogue and was preaching there, as Isaiah 61 was unrolled in the scroll, and and he preached from Isaiah 61, and everybody was kind of thinking, who is this guy? Man, this this man speaks with incredible authority. But then he said some things that kind of made them think that the message he had was for both Jews and Gentiles, and then they began to find fault. The, The Jews thought the Gentiles were just not worthy of the Word of God. I mean, these people, the, the Jews called them dogs, and the Gentiles didn't have any higher opinion of the Jews. So they just didn't like each other, and w- n- neither group would have been worthy of God reaching into their lives, so they thought. And so there was a lot of dispute. They rejected Jesus in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. They became so angry, they wanted to kill him. I'm hoping that this service today is not a repeat of that, uh, but I'd like to live another day. You know, if you don't like it, you can tell me. But uh, uh, this, can you imagine? Go to your own hometown, proclaim a message, and the first thing they want to do is kill you. There was a lot of familiarity. We saw that last week in uh, Luke 4:22. All spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. That was before they got mad. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Joseph, who they knew, lived among them. 
This is where they, uh, they raised Jesus. And so there was a kind of a familiarity there and thought, what are, who is this? How, how can somebody from here whose parents we know talk like this with such authority? And then they got angry at him and, and uh, wanted him out of their sight, out of their town, and if possible, out of this life because of the Jew-Gentile issues and, and just their own familiarity and finding fault. And I don't know what all was included in that picture, but at least that. And so I want to just take a quick look at the message that Jesus was bringing. And, and this before we get to our text, but back up in verse 18 of, of Luke 4, where Jesus read from Isaiah 61, and this was a prophecy about what would happen when the Messiah came. And here's what it says. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to those who are so worthy to receive it. No, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaiming good news is what Jesus said the Messiah would do. And then he said, today this is fulfilled in your sight. In other words, announcing, I'm the Messiah and I'm bringing this message. And then the hatred started. Well, Jesus proclaimed good news of forgiveness and eternal life to those who recognized their need. Josh made this clear last week, that, and this has always been true. The people who respond to the gospel are those who know that they need the gospel. Uh, this is why I think sometimes in some countries where need is evident, they're sometimes more quick to respond to the gospel than in a country like ours where need is not as evident. Uh, but... Are we wise enough to see that need runs deeper than just finances or provision? Jesus proclaimed good news to the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. It's always been true that the self-sufficient resist the gospel. They don't see that it's good news because they don't see that they need any good news. I'm fine. Everything's going well. If that's our thought, we never get the gist, we never get the heart, we never get the core, we never get the message of the good news of Jesus. We've all sinned, we're falling short of the glory of God. If left to ourselves, our destiny is not good. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. Need is just part of our lives. Well, where we come to today in chapter 4 of, of Luke and verse 31 starting, some events occurred that validated the message that Jesus was proclaiming. So let's listen in. Verse 31 of Luke 4. He went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. There you see it again. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. 
And he cried out with a loud voice. And this is like a, a demonic force speaking through this man, saying, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Can you imagine being in a place where that is spoken to the Son of God? But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, because demons like to destroy, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And on the same day, this occurs, keep reading, he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon, Simon Peter, entered his house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Okay, this is an encouraging day. Here's a guy set free from demonic forces. Here's a lady that's been healed. Now let's keep going. Same day. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any, who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Jewish day, you know, begins at six sunset, begins, carries through to the next sunset. So when daybreak came, when it was day, verse 42, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judah. A Sabbath day, gathering for the synagogue folks. They were meeting there. The people were surprised that his teaching had such authority as Jesus taught in that synagogue too, even as he had done in Nazareth, but now in Capernaum. They were surprised this guy's got authority, and they thought... He shouldn't be like that because he's only about 30 years old. We don't have any idea that he's been thoroughly trained by Jewish leaders. Who is this man? And what is this authority with which he speaks? Why is it that when he speaks, we feel like he knows what he's talking about? It seems like he's speaking from God. Not just, not like their accustomed teaching. So, they were thinking, though, this is an ordinary man from just an insignificant town, an insignificant family, and here he is with such an anointing from God. But do you know, even though they were, saying, they were wrestling around, who is he? The demons knew who he was. <laughs> even they knew. You know, and they, and they were constantly trying to say, this is the Son of God. And not, not because they wanted everybody to follow him. They were trying, they were scared because they knew Jesus could destroy them. 
the unclean spirits knew that Jesus had authority not only to speak that word, but had authority over them. Verse 33, you remember this. In the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried with a loud voice, Hob, what have we to do with you? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? They knew he could destroy them. And so Jesus cast the demon out just with his word. I don't think it was a circus. It didn't have to be with Jesus. He just said, come out of him. In the power of his word, the demon came out of that man, and the man was restored. What are we supposed to see in that? That Jesus has authority and power over evil. Remember this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he had said earlier, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Here he's sort of outlining his ministry. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You ever notice in Scripture all the way through the, I love this, all the way through, and, and the, when the prophets talk about, they talk about the day of wrath and the year of favor. I like that. So here it is. Jesus had made that proclamation. When Jesus encounters evil, he wins. Bottom line. Just like he did in the wilderness when Satan came to tempt him, Jesus won. Satan even quoted scripture, and Jesus just came right back for more scripture. When Jesus encounters the forces of evil, he wins. And what's this about silencing this demon and any others that were trying to say who Jesus is? There's one Bible scholar, I love this statement. He said this, Jesus is only rightly known as Christ in connection with his sufferings. Jesus didn't come to be known as just a healer, although he healed, or one who got rid of demonic forces, although he did that, but he's coming as a savior, and that's the way the Christ is going to be made known. So maybe that's part, largely a lot of the reason anyway for silencing the demons, because they, they clearly knew, I know who this is. We know who this is. And Jesus said, be quiet. Be quiet. In his time, in his way, at the right time, in the right way, he would make himself known. Jesus did not need to be made known by demons. He was going to be made known by his sacrifice, by his life, by his death. So the exorcism, the getting rid of the demon, pointed in a direction, pointed to something, but was not the focus it was not ever to be the focus. Verse 36, they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. If all he did was heal and cast out demons, that's all he would be known for. But Jesus came to bring a message and to lay down his life. And that's what he was going to emphasize in exactly the right time. So, all of that being said, he went to Peter's house, encountered this mother-in-law. And by the way, Luke, was a, who wrote this, was a physician. When he talks about her being ill, the literal meaning is this. She was in the grip of a major fever. Luke would say that. 
you know, all the rest of them say she was sick. But he, you know, she's in the grip of a major fever. And so was demonstrated, not only is Jesus have authority, does Jesus have authority over evil, he has authority over sickness and disease. And so he healed the mother-in-law. His authority was evident, and the clarity of his message was coming into focus. Thus, the reason I brought my binoculars today. I want us to think about something. If you use binoculars, you know. There's always a wheel or a little, this one has a sliding thing like that to adjust the focus. It even has some very fine-tuning things for the eyes. But you know, the point is not the binoculars. You use them to see something more clearly. If I want to see William more clearly, I'm go oh, there he is. He's smiling. Look at that. There he is. So I, I adjust the focus, and I can see more clearly. Well, just in a similar way, miracles and like healings and casting out of demons, they, were, they are the things that are used to focus on what you're looking at. They're, it's not that the miracles or the healings or the demon uh, exorcisms are the point, although it's important, of course, especially if you're the one who's demon-possessed or if you're the one who's sick. Man, what do you do? Thank God, of course. But that's not the major point. The major point is the fulfillment of prophecy and the identification of who Jesus is. This is the Messiah. He has come to do this. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so he began to do so by casting out demons and forbidding the evil authority to possess a man or a woman or a person. And Proclaiming a news that says you can be forgiven. How can you be forgiven? By the word that he's going to bring, by the power that he's going to bring, by the events that are going to occur, like the crucifixion and the resurrection. John, when he wrote his gospel, used to love to refer to miracles as signs, signs that point somewhere. So always he's doing this. This was the first sign. This was the second sign. Signs of what? That, of who Jesus is, of who the Messiah is, identifying Jesus Christ to the people. So he used the miracles and the casting out of demons, the healings, to bring into focus the main point. I'm pointing these binoculars at something I want to see more clearly, and those miracles and all of that are like the focus points on these binoculars. They help to validate and to see more clearly the message. And so it goes on in the course of this day, as the sun was setting, the Sabbath was over, and because the Sabbath was over as the, at sunset, more people came to Peter's house. And, and so more people were moving around because the Sabbath was over, and they didn't have to count their steps the way Jews did. No, you can only take so many steps on the Sabbath day. You can only do certain things on the Sabbath day. Now, Sabbath is over, so here we come. And so the crowds came. And they looked up Jesus, and he laid hands on them. It says that he healed every one of them and cast out the demons. So, and in, in the process of that, he was silencing the demons because they would try to identify him before his time. And Jesus said, he's going to be known, but he'll be known in his way, in his time, through the fulfilling of Scripture, as we're going to see throughout Luke's gospel, 
And we're, he's going to be made known through not only that fulfillment, but his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And Luke, in his gospel, shows us every step along the way so that you and I could be clear about who is this man? This man is the Son of God. He's the Messiah who's come to save us. So, he came to give good news to the poor, proclaim liberty captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who were oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he was doing that, giving the message, healing people, casting out demons, doing all that Jesus did so effectively. And then we're told at daylight, remember the day began at sunset that evening, and when daylight came, he went off to a desolate place. Mark's gospel tells us he went there to pray, which was certainly not unusual for Jesus. He withdrew there, but the people didn't want him to go. Uh, they went to him and said, hey, stick around here. Why? Because people were being healed. Why would you want him to go? And, uh, you know, demons were being cast out. They weren't worried about some of the things they were worried about in the synagogue. They were just seeing this fruit of his ministry. Boy, this guy's something. What authority. We want you to stick around. And Jesus answered them. He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Notice this. He didn't say, I must Go and cast out more demons and heal people in these other lands, although he did that. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus knew what his purpose was. And he, and, but it's not unusual for people to want to hang around when they see or want him to hang around. Do you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured before before the guys there, a few of the disciples were there, and, and Moses and Elijah, who had been dead for centuries, appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter, I think, essentially was saying, I don't understand what this is about, but man, this is cool. <laughs> and so, you know, he went to Jesus, Lord, let, us, let me pitch a tent here, one for Moses. Let me pitch one for Elijah and one for you. Let's hang around here. And Jesus went down the mountain because he had a message to proclaim. He knew his purpose, just like here. I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus refused to stay behind here. He refused to stay on the Mount of Transfiguration. So he went again to proclaim the good news of forgiveness to the poor and the blind and the oppressed and all of those who could see their need. The thing that impresses me about this, it says he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus left that group and went to preach in other places. The, if the Son of God is going to call you and me to obedience, he must first be obedient himself. And we're told clearly, this is my purpose to take this message. And so he went about doing that. He demonstrated what it means to be obedient. So Jesus had authority. He had authority over evil, over diseases. We're going to see as authority over sin, over death. Jesus has authority over all. And Jesus said, it's because the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has come among you, right here among you in your presence. This is the kingdom of God coming to you. 
And these are the things that you will see demonstrated in the kingdom of God. So that's the day in Jesus' life. What do we take away from this? I want to suggest just a few things. One is that we would see who is being revealed. What is, where, where are these binoculars pointing? Well, we see focus points of all these healings and different things, but where are these binoculars pointing? That's what we're supposed to see. And so Jesus, we need to see and understand that's who's being revealed. Now, he did have power and authority. Remember some of the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended in Matthew 28, 18. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that I have, taught, that I have shown you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, or behold, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end of the world. All authority, Jesus knew, had been given to him. What are we supposed to see in that authority over diseases and over evil? We're supposed to see Jesus, who he is, the Son of God, the Savior, the Redeemer, the one who has come for us. Also, his kingdom message of forgiveness and redemption and hope and eternal life, that's still the same message. It hasn't changed because we still need the Lord in our lives. All people, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all need to hear the message of the kingdom of God. We need this. But keep in mind, if we're not very conscious of need on any level, We've got to be looking in our own heart and saying, am I conscious of this need? I may not need food because I've got food. I may not need a job because I've got a job. I may not need a car because I've got a car. I may not need a house because I've got a house. I've got all, this, all these things. My needs are met. Thank God for it. But we have a deeper need that has nothing to do with money and materialistic things. His kingdom message is for us. Also, we who follow Jesus, claim to follow him, must join him in sharing that message. There are people hungry all over the place who want and need to hear the message of the gospel. So we join him in it. You know why I say that? Because the passage we take up next week in chapter 5, the very next thing Jesus does besides how he's told them, this is the message, here's how it's demonstrated, this is what I want you to do. Now he separates his disciples and says, you're my disciples, you follow me. He names them all. Of course, Simon Peter was already part, some of them were already part of that, we know, but their official calling and sending out is coming in the next chapter. We've got to join him in the message. The message, if it really is life-changing and if it really matters, then people have to come alongside and join Jesus in taking that message wherever we go. And do you know what? I, I believe this. If you're at the grocery store, the radio station, the gas station, 
or in the hospital. People are hungry to know about Jesus. Join in sharing what we can, sharing how we can. Also, these healings and these miracles not only point to and focus on, it's true, I lift your voice like that and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> All right. They point to and focus on his true identity. But they also lay the foundation for the ultimate miracles that are coming. Resurrection. Ascension. Victory over death. If we, under, if we grasp some of these miracles of healings and setting people free from demons, we're kind of laying a foundation for understanding the greatest miracle that's about to come and that Luke's going to tell us about thoroughly. The resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. Finally, what do we do with this? I want to ask you this seriously. I know that anytime a preacher says this, everybody says, yeah, 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 yeah. What else are you going to say? Okay. Pray. 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 If we're not those who pray, who's going to pray? How do we join Jesus in taking his message, not only being willing to open our mouths sometimes and just share our testimony, share what God has done, but pray, pray, pray. Pray for the saving work of Jesus to be evident in our day, in our time, in our place, in our family, our home, everywhere that we are. And I would encourage you to pray this. I've just been praying this. Lord, would you build hunger and thirst for you? We are very familiar with what doesn't work. Lord, would you build a hunger and a thirst for what does work? I'm, I will tell you this. I believe, and I have specific reasons for believing this, I believe there is a fresh wind of God's Spirit blowing now, I've seen evidence of this. I've heard evidence of this. I believe there's a fresh wind blowing. Pray that as that wind of the Spirit blows over God's world, there will be an increased hunger and a thirst and a crying out to God because He's the only one who has the answer. Jesus is the one who came to proclaim good news to the poor who came to set at liberty those captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Pray, pray, people of God, that there would be a hunger and thirst in this Sabine area, that God would just use whatever's happening. If it's a movie about the Jesus Revolution, <laughs> If it's events like The Chosen, or if it's the Asbury Revival, or other revivals that are spreading across the nation, or if it's something we're seeing in our own more restricted lives, as I've been seeing here lately, pray, pray, oh God, would you use this for your glory and call many people into your kingdom? That's the way we join Jesus in his life, in his message, 
and what Jesus came to do. Let's pray. Father, would you stir your people, Lord, stir us up. Lord, that we might be so convinced that we have received a message that is so significant for time and eternity that we would be eager, Lord, to share something about it, and no matter how simple, just something, share that with other people. Father, would you stir up hunger and thirst in this area and in our families and our workplaces, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, would you stir up hunger and thirst that there might be a great crying out to you and a response of looking to you, Lord. We, we live in a world, Lord, that has looked to everything else, some to drugs, some to drink, some to materialism, some to greed, some to who knows what. But Lord, may we now look to you and receive from you what you have come to give. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.